inside for Ian Betten. Off the ball here for Simon, who's quick. Pete Simon looking for Corinne Betten. Back to Simon. Oh, that is wonderful. That is wild. That is amazing from the Wallabies. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby. I'm your host, Mitch, and today we're interviewing one of the biggest names in the biggest frames in Australian rugby, Isaac Rodder of the Western Force. Isaac, it's great to have you here. We're recording before training has resumed. What has a Friday look like for you? Hey, mate. Thanks for having me. So you just want to know what Friday has, like this Friday, Zoe said? Yeah, sorry. So what does a Friday look like for you? You've got training coming up or starting next week. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'll just go you through a normal week. So a normal week, we usually train Monday to Friday. Um, our two biggest days being Thursday and Friday. And um, Wednesdays being more like a off-feet kind of conditioning-based stuff. But Fridays are the contact days. So, you know, we usually have um, gym and units in the morning where we're forward to do some live mauls and back to go kick the ball. Um, and then of an Arvo, we'll have a, a full contact session where we're running at each other and doing all our, our contact stuff that we've done at a lower pace throughout the week. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty hectic. And um, I will also just give you a bit of a, a, a pump up. We had the Wallabies 44-man World Cup squad or sort of preview World Cup squad announced this morning and, and you've made yourself into that one. So well done there. And does that mean that you've got a little bit of Wallabies duties for the next few days before you get back to, to Perth and stick in with the Western Force? Uh, yeah, I'll stay over on the East Coast at, at um, Sanctuary Cove in Brisbane for, I think it's four days for the Wallaby camp. Um, no, I was pretty stoked to get into it um, after being off for the year. I'm looking forward to it. It should be good to see the guys again and see what this year holds. Yeah, it's been a bit of a layoff for you. So, yeah, well done on that. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the force and their preseason, things have been fairly whirlwind over the last couple of years with COVID. Uh, a key player at the Reds, COVID came and you had to move on to Leon before re-signing with the force. You got engaged and congrats on that, by the way. That's really exciting for you. <laughs> no. No, thank you. It was exciting. As a second um, season with the force enabled you to take a bit of a step back and simply breathe and reevaluate your priorities? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, you can say that. I think biggest part of it was when I was in France. You know, I got to really spend a lot of time, you know, with myself and my partner and evaluate what, what was important to me in my career. And that's what was one of the big drivers and why I came back. And um but yeah, definitely throughout my time now after France, I've definitely, you know, reevaluated what I want and um, definitely have taken a step back and looked at it for what it is and, and just grateful to be doing it. That's uh, that's awesome. Uh, well done on that. Now, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit around your departure from the Reds. And so Nick Wilson on uh, Twitter has asked, what went down in your decision to leave the Reds and do you have any regrets on how it all sort of played out? Um, oh, look, I think there was a lot of factors going into it. You know, I was in a bad state mentally as well. So I was just after losing my dad, I kind of still was spiraling a bit and that kind of had a bit to play on it. And I just thought, um, and I wasn't enjoying it as well. You know, I, I think I, I needed to a refresh sort of thing. And I thought if I got out, it might help, you know, fix everything. Um, so that, that was kind of one of the big driving forces. I just needed a new change. I wasn't wasn't happy there. And I guess COVID popped up and gave me that opportunity. And, you know, I took it. I, I don't regret it. I think um, the decision was the right one because I've grown massively as a person away from football and, and stuff. So 
I think if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have had this growth. So looking back at it, it was probably a bit uglier than I would have liked, but I think it was the right decision. Yeah, that's great to see that you can go look back on that and see that for you personally, it was the right decision for you to do. And um, I think it's it's had a positive impact on your footy as well. So that's um, that's really great to see. If we talk a little bit about your time in Lyon, you made 25 appearances across all competitions, starting 24 of them. How was it playing in the meat grinder of the top 14 so consistently? Oh, it was it was hard. I tell you what, the first the first two months there, I was like, how good is this? You know, it was summer. It was two o'clock kickoffs at home by seven. You know, living in France, I was like, this is the best. I'm doing the rest of my career here. And then winter came, and I was like, oh wow, <laughs> this is a shock. Yeah, it was hard. You know, you go down to like uh, like cast in in France, and it's three degrees in winter it's howling wind and you're playing at nine fifteen at night it's and and they're a tough and everyone's big and strong and it's a grind it's real forward based rugby um it was an eye opener it was it was some of the toughest footy i've ever played um not they're not as skillful as back home but they're just bigger and hit harder so winter was a struggle um and then coming back to summer it got good again towards the end Talking about sort of the the playing style and how that differs to Australian rugby, what was the biggest thing that you sort of noticed? Oh, mate, the biggest thing is it's very seasonal. Um, so summer is more of, you know, the rugby we're used to over here. It's fast-paced, moving the ball, big bodies, yeah. et cetera. And then winter's just the opposite because it's, it's either really cold and windy or it's wet. So that's when more of the forwards-based game comes into it, you know, the scrum, the mall pick and drive, that sort of stuff. So it's, you get the best of both worlds, I guess. Um, but it, in the summer, it's pretty much identical to what we have in Super Rugby. But winter's just a completely different beast. Yeah. And what did you sort of learn as a player? How did it sort of impact on your game? Um, I guess the biggest thing I learned over there was just to monitor your, your body, you know, because it's such a long season. And you're playing week in, week out. I think at one stage I had, well, I think it was 17 games in a row without a break. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's long. It's a long season. You might only get 12, 13 games in Super and you get rests. But in France, you just keep going. So just learning how to perform week in, week out was the biggest one. And at that, that high level because it's not exactly an easy comp. Yeah, for sure. Now, we have had a question come in from Mick Ryan on Twitter. He says, any learnings that you can impart to Australian rugby administrators after your time in Europe? What do you believe can be done to strengthen the game here in Oz? Oh, look, I think the biggest one is just <laughs> player retention. You know, you see so many great Australian players overseas. I, I understand it's hard with the, you know, the, especially the French teams and the Japanese teams. They just seem to have endless supply of budgets and money on hand. But I think the biggest one is trying to, retain players and then grow the youth under those players, you know. Some of the, like, you know, someone like, I say, a Samu Karevi or something, having him in a, back at the Reds with a couple of the young guys underneath him learning, it's only going to grow the game for us and, and the, uh, for, our, for our game and also for the fans, you know, they get to see the best players in the world playing on the on our stage at home. And that's something we've, as a podcast, we've been talking about that for years now around how mm. the administrators need to sort of work out that second pathway yeah. uh, for that talent just underneath. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do, I guess. I know they got their hands tied on a few things, but 
I just think, you know, we just need to start the momentum shift, which will be hard. But I think once we get it moving that way, it'll start helping. Definitely, definitely. And uh, for you personally, that time in, in France, World Cup later this year is in France. Does mm-hmm. that give you a little bit of a, um, I guess, a hope that you know kind of what to expect when you get to, when the Wallabies do get to Europe and then um, you might be able to impart some of the sort of learnings that you have learned as a player to some of the fellow Wallabies squad. Oh, well, there's a few things I'll be all good about. I know where to find the best croissants in Lyon, but also <laughs> I'll I'll be prepared for the nine o'clock games. You know, it's different. It's, you know, like they're, they're hard to adapt to because over here, you know, latest we play is like 7, 7.30. You might think it's yeah. much of a difference, but it, it, it's a massive difference. You know, like, because it makes a day so long and it's hard to, to stay on. Um, and yeah, and just sure. the conditions, you know, just I guess I've played in those conditions and know what they're like that time of year. And it's a lot different to what everyone's going to be used to. You know, it's more of that spring tour kind of condition. So guys will be semi-used to it, but just, yeah, just that stuff really. Well, is there anywhere in particular that you're wanting to play uh, again, like was there somewhere in France that was your favourite destination to travel to um, and that you're looking to playing in again? Um, my favourite ones were like Lyon was amazing, play a home game, Paris was unreal and, and Toulon. They were probably my top three best places I played. Um, I don't. I think the, the Lyon game's at the soccer stadium, so that'll be unreal. You get that thing packed out. I think it holds like 80-something thousand. Yeah. So. That'll be unreal, but just, yeah, just get back to Leon. really. I love that city. It was, it was amazing. And no, no doubt you've got some friends over there that will be able to look after you when you do get there with the boys. Yeah. So that'll be exciting for you. Yeah, definitely, mate. It definitely will be. We'll shift into uh, yourself personally and a little bit of the, the Western Force. Now, one of the questions that's come in from Julie T on Twitter, um, how is your injury coming? How are you progressing? You're still sidelined uh, for the end of 2022 with that uh, ankle injury. How are, how are things progressing and how far off are you from being back in, to full health? Yeah, it was, it was a long slog. Um, no, I'm back now training. I'm back running and stuff. I'm just still on load management at the moment. But I think the plan is to be back fully training in a week and a half's time with no load management. And then I should be fine by the last trial or round one to, to, to start playing again. But it's all all systems go at the moment. Now, there's a lot of positive conversation around injury recovery, supporting players from both a, a physical and, and well-being mental perspective. How have you looked after yourself during that long-term layoff with your ankle? Um, look, I think, like, if I look at it from both parts, like from the organisation and myself, I think from an organisation point of view, it was, it, it was amazing. Um, just the facilities they have and and the staff they have running the program at the force it was great um i was looked after perfectly and everything was done right um throughout the whole rehab and we had a team we have a full-time team psychiatrist on hand so i did a lot of work with her over the time just getting myself right and and dealing with the added stress of the injury and whatnot so that was really helpful and from my point of view it's you know it was a bad timing you know no one wants to get injured but I think it was a blessing in disguise you know it just gave me time to recenter myself um just enjoy being with my partner and, and getting the love back for the game you know it was just it was a, it was a great little time off even though it was not what I wanted but with considering it was it was good 
you were uh, mentioning that that time away from the game, you sort of helped rekindle that love uh, for the game again. We've we've spoken to a few players in the past, Liam Wright, um, Taniel Tupo, with their time away from the game when they've said that they've been able to rekindle that love. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, what it was that sort of gave you that uh, that reignition of that passion? Well, I guess, you know, when, when, you're, when you're right into it and you're playing and you're in that high... Um, you know, in that environment, it, it's, it gets really, it's real emotive, like, um, I guess, because it's real physical demanding as well, like, you just, it's like a roller coaster, you know, you're just going like this, and and yeah. after a while, it, it starts to take a real toll mentally, because you're giving everything you can to the game, to being the best you can, to perform, to help the team win, etc., and then, you know, you start losing games, pressure comes on, or your performance starts lacking, selection, et cetera. It all just compounds. And then after a while, you just start going, oh, this is getting hard, you know, like. And then sometimes you just more slip into little little habits where you're just seeing it more as work as opposed to something you love. Yep. And then it ha- it happens to everyone after a time. They just get a bit, you know, a bit lower. Like, oh, this is a struggle. And they and then that, that injury just kind of and see it for what it was and go, oh, oh right, this is why I do it. This is why I love it. You know, it just gave me that little bit of space to to sit back and really, you know, just bring me back to where my feet were and, and I got a bit more grounded, um, which is probably something, you know, you need to identify as a person a bit earlier when it all starts happening in season and whatnot. Yeah, that's really interesting, like you said. Do you find that... Playing in Australia rugby, particularly with our uh, reliance on New Zealand and playing the the Kiwi teams so often, is that a contributing factor there? In the fact that maybe some of the teams, the Aussie teams, don't get as many wins as say when you're overseas playing for in the French teams or the Japanese teams. Mm. Does does that contribute a little bit to that sort of mental side? Um, oh, look, maybe a little bit, but not really. It's just professional sport, you know, because. Um, everyone wants to play, everyone wants to be the best and everyone wants to win. And I guess in Australia, like every game counts massively. Um, you know, you can't just lose three or four or five what you can do in France and still make finals. You got you gotta win over here. And I think that has a big you know, big thing about it and big um adds to it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. I think it's inevitable in professional sport. Yeah. And during that time where you were away from the game and you were injured, did you still have connection with the Wallabies set up? Were you talking to their coaches and um, their physios and things about your progression? Um, not too much the coaches. I, I, I went into camp a couple of times just to help out with some promo stuff. So I touched base with the coaches. But that would have been pretty flat out, you know, being the test season and whatnot and having games to prepare for. So I spoke to them a little bit. But I was in touch with the um, the doctor and the physio quite quite often, just on updates and and stuff like that. But I did see coaches and had talks with them when I was in and around camp and and still communication. Yeah, and that should help you in the next few days when you do get back into that environment to be able to sort of retouch base with everyone and get back on the same page, uh, which is going to be a big twenty twenty three for you. Yeah, no, it is, mate. Yeah, for sure. It'd be good to get in there and, and see everyone again and get back around the environment because it is great when you're in there. 
for sure. Now we'll we'll shift a bit more to the Western Force now. So last year you had the opportunity to work with Tim Sampson. Now we've got Simon Cron coming on board as the new head coach. What has he brought to the picture that has particularly excited yourself? Uh, with Cronny, with I think it's just how much he knows about the game, you know, he and how teams work and how people work. He's he's very good in, in that instance, you know. He, he understands the game like the best I've seen. Um, and he also understands people and, and how people react and how there's different personalities and things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think he, at the moment, it's only been early doors, but I think he's made some great shifts and can definitely see the direction he wants the team to head. And with him behind the wheel, I think we'll get there. And what are some of those first impressions that you got sort of pre-Christmas, those first last few weeks of 2022 last year? He came in pretty hard and fast, you know. Um, he, he's, a, he's a character, but he's very switched on. And he kind of changed a few things in the program. Um, better I believe and you know we had a few hard conversations where guys are at and where he needs him to get but I think that's one of the, the better traits about him is he's very honest and in saying that he's honest but passionate to help people get better and the organization get better so I think as a coach that's a great um, aspect to have and he's got a great coaching staff around him you know we got that Jimmy Duffy from Ireland come over as a forwards coach he's got 23 years experience um he's amazing and you know we got the attack coach mark ozich who's who's a great guy and he's he's getting better each year and he's only fresh into his coaching but he looks like he's been there for a while so it's good and we just got a great snc um in simon thomas who was at the crusaders for a few years so he knows how the best teams and you know the comp does it so that's going to be great to get to work with him yeah, for, for sure. Uh, we've had a question come in on Facebook from Ed Morton, who's one of our resident Western Force fans. Uh, he said, what are the team's target areas for 2023? What would be a reasonable pass mark uh, for the Force this season? And he just said in caps at the end, go the Force. So love his passion there. <laughs> um, mate, our minimum standard, you know, is it, it sounds, you know, how you go you know, that's what we want to do. That's, I guess, one of the gifts we've had this year. We don't want to accept mediocre or be be passengers in the competition. We want to win it. So that's our goal. And uh, that's, our, that's our pass mark. You know, we're setting the bar high this year and moving forward. But we want to do that to try and create a winning culture here and, um, you know, pave the way for the future force teams throughout the years. Exciting, very exciting. And if we, we shift across now to the, the team that's sort of taking shape for 2023, the Force have made history by signing Wilton Robolo, the first Brazilian to play Super Rugby. What have you made from his entrance to the team so far? Um, yeah, mate, he's good. He's, uh, his English is actually surprisingly you know, fluent. Um, he, he's got a lot of energy. He, he can be a good player, you know, he's... Just got to get used to the fast pace of Super Rugby, but he's fitting in training and looking like you know, not a part. So I think he's going all right so far. And interested to see how he goes in the trials. Uh, the backs have had some fairly big name players join. Uh, Chase Tiatia for one of them, Hamish Stewart and Bryce Hegarty all joining in 2023. Uh, the forwards we've got Flau Fatengar and Santiago Madrano. Uh, they're probably the biggest name recruits. 
Uh, I'm sure Fleety and Falau are both duking it out for who's going to get that starting spot come round one. You got any insight into how that's sort of shaping up? Yeah, mate, I think they've added a lot of great experience to the, to the group, which is what we were lacking a bit last year, experience and depth, um, which is it's good to see that's come into the team now and it's making spots a lot more competitive, which is the exact one between Folletti and, and, and Folau. You know, there's two great hookers there who are going to battle it out and one, only one can start, but yeah. I think they can get a great relationship going, you know, rotation. But it, it, it's just great to have them there because... You know, you know what's coming on off the bench. You know, is another world class hooker. So it's not like it drops or anything. You know, I think that's part of the reason in signing all these other guys. The the competition's hot and heavy, and when guys get injured or get there's someone just as good coming on in that position. So there's no drop in the level. And if we look at the back line, and I always do love asking forwards there. Their thoughts around how the back line shapes up, but we do have both Hamish, Hamish Stewart um, and uh, Rejan Pasatoa sort of lining up there as that 10 and 12 combination. How, how are those two players sort of shaping? How is the back line forming this part of the season and how is Rejan's knee going? Um, look, it, it's shaping up well. Rajan, I don't know if he's going to play much this year because of his knee, but he's looking like a beast in the gym. I think he's yep. becoming more of a 12 with his size. He's he's looking good. Um, so that's exciting for him moving forward. But with the back, it's shaping up well, you know, with Bryce coming in, Hamish there and Chase, and also Manasseh who's coming back and, and the guys there with Bailey and, and stuff. There, there's a lot of competition and depth there. So it's making for interesting connections with the bounds going at one another. It's actually looking like more like we're watching games and training. <laughs> but no, but no, I think when they find the right mix and match for that, um, it's going to be an exciting back line. Hopefully they score a lot of tries so they don't have to run too much. <laughs> and who at the moment sort of uh, ahead in that battle for the 10 jersey at the moment? There are a few that are sort of duking it out. Anyone got their nose um, in front? Mate, in all honesty... I don't know. It's been that heavy competition lately. You know, you think, yeah. you know, there's been a couple of days where you're like, oh, maybe it's, you know, Bryce. And then a couple of days later, like, wow, there's young guy, Max Bury, who killed it the other week. And you just like, I just don't know. Everyone's putting their hand up. So it's whoever gets it, you know, it's, there's not much between them at the moment. It's hard. It's really hard to pick as, as someone that's more. Makes it job hard, but. Yeah. And I was saying, as you said previously, that that competition for spots and and the the starting versus the backup is is such a good thing for the wider squad as well. Um, to be able to build yeah. that talent, to build that depth. Oh, it's it's massive, mate. It's crucial in in teams. You know, it's one of the reasons I think teams like the Crusaders have been so for so long because they have the best players in the world, but they're training against the second best players in the world, so they're only yeah. better. Great players create the competition, and that's how great teams are formed, in my opinion. Now, uh, Rugby Bloke has got in touch on Instagram, and he's asked, is there anyone we should keep an eye out for the force this year? Um, keep an eye. Yeah, mate, I, I think um, there's this young tight head prop named Sifa. I think he's been turning some heads in the, in the preseason. He's a young guy, but I think if he gets a crack, he's going to be one to watch, and and I think Bryce and Hamish coming over to, to the force is another two to watch. 
a great player, especially Bryce. He's been over in Europe for yeah. a year, so he's got to refine his craft in, in the dark winter over there. But I think he, he's come back with a spring in his step, and uh, I think he's going to be good for us. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Now, if we shift a little bit more to what your your expertise at lock, for you personally, uh, we, which of the locking options do you think complements you best on the field? Um, me, I think the best footy I've played is probably with someone like Rory. You know, just a, Rory Arnold, just a tall... Um, physical lock I think that me someone like that really complements my style of game because I I can do both you know I can float into that stuff I can float around the pool carry and whatnot but I think if I just get a physical lock with me that's that'll be perfect and um Hugh96 on Twitter has asked is there much difference packing down the tight head or the loose head side of the scrum um for you personally um there is a little bit of difference, you know. I guess more pressure comes through the head side. Um, so you, you do have that kind of more pressure. And it is harder to scrum there, but at a loose head side, it's still hard, but it's more just, you know, you're trying to keep your feet and keep it, keep your power square. So I'd say the tight head side is probably more draining, especially if there's a lot of scrums because you do have to do quite a bit of work behind the tight head. Do you have a preference out of the two? Yeah, I prefer the right side. I think because it's done a whole career, it's just it's natural. It feels natural, yep. you know. When I get on the other side, it feels a bit foreign, and I feel a bit I feel a bit awkward. Really, I think I always look back and go, "Shit, I felt terrible there." <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, that ties into the next question from Simon Nelson, and he says, "What do you think your point of difference is as a lock?" Um, I think for me, it's I have. I have the ability to do the line-out stuff as well as, as the physical side. You know, I think uh, a lot of locks are either one or the other. You know, that, that I feel i still got a long ways to go in my growth in those two, but I, I think I have the foundations of both of them. So I, I think that's my strength is I can do both, both sides as opposed to just one or the other. Um, and if we look to 2023 as a, a season... You at the Western Force have some of the best fans in the sea of blue. What should get Force fans excited about this season? What are you? Uh, what What is it that's going to be such a big thing about twenty twenty three? I just think um, it's just going to be the, the team we are this year. You know, we're a lot different to last year, and we're a lot more more ready. I think, and we got a lot of a lot of great recruits that are going to add a lot. I think we're going to be very competitive um, and we're going to play a great style of rugby. That's going to be entertaining. Can't that's, give too uh, much of that away now, but it will be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we've got some trials to come later in the year. So we're, I think as fans, we're all looking forward to seeing how the team shapes up, who gets those nods. As we said, there are a few positions there that are very hotly contested. So I think as as just Australian rugby fans, we're all excited to see how the Western Force go this year. Um, Steve Mitchell has asked, for you personally, is making the Wallabies World Cup squad a goal? Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, it's, it's a massive goal. I went to the one in 19 and it was amazing. It was on, it was one of the best experiences. It's it's definitely right up there, you know. I got two goals next year and it's win a, win a Super Rugby title and win a World Cup. And they're big ones, but they're, they're the two I have for next year and that's what I want to achieve. And do you have any goals yet? Are you looking forward to post-2023? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm still at the force, 2024. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of years in Perth, actually. It's a great place and I've enjoyed it so far. And so is my partner. So I think we're quite happy there. We've got a lot to look forward to as Australian rugby fans for the next sort of five or six years in Australia, or ten, decade really. We've got the Lions mm. down in 2025 and then we've got a home World Cup uh, 2032. So does that sort of help you to to sort of put those those roots down in in uh, in Perth and sort of just stay where you are and see how things go over the next few years? Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. It, it definitely adds, you know, there's a lot of great rugby coming up with the Lions and then the World Cup in 2032, which I don't know if I'll make that. I'll be pretty old by then. But um, no. You'll be a coach, mate. You'll be a coach. You'll be around. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Um, no, but, mate, I think um, with it all coming up, yeah, it's very enticing to stay, you know. It's not every day you can play a Lions tour and then be around for a home World Cup. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely is helping to try and set roots down in Perth. For sure. Um, and we will finish up. We've got a final question that came in from Michael Gardner. And he said, what opposition are you most excited to play against this year? Um, most exciting? I think probably the um, the Crusaders right is right up there, but also the Australian team. They've got a lot of... Every team seemed to have recruited very well in the off-season. So... I think it's tight between the Crusaders and the Waratahs. I think both of them will be great games. Yeah, that's that's uh, we're here at Pick and Drive Rugby. We are Sydney based, uh, so we are Waratahs fans. So we we are looking forward oh, okay. to all the encounters with the Super Sides. But um, for you personally, and for, I guess the the wider Western Force squad with Tim Sampson shifting across to the Rebels, and with that kind of. Uh, fallout from the exclusion from Super Rugby all those years ago. Mm. Does that add an extra layer? Uh, we already know that there is that little bit of spice when it comes to Force and Rebels games. But with Tim Sampson sort of jumping across to the Rebels, does that add a little bit of extra spice for that encounter this year? Yeah, I think so. You know, there's a lot there, even after last year when they could have took the line out to try and push us in the finals, but they tapped and kicked it out. Um, yeah. that, still cuts a, that still cuts a bit. Deep, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, mate, Sambo, Sam, yeah, Sambo's a great guy, you know. Um, he's done wonders for the force, you know. He was he came over when they got kicked out of the comp and was there for five years and bring him back into Super Rugby and made the final, oh, Super Rugby AU, then made the finals. I think he's he's well-loved in Perth by the fans. Uh, and so, so he deserves it too. He, he was great for this team back in the day. And I think, for him moving on, there will be a bit there as well from his point of view. He'll be probably a bit upset he had to move on, but I think I think it's just going to be a great game, and he's a, he's a top bloke, so I think he'll just enjoy the moment really being back. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we are we might leave things on that that note there. I am conscious of your time, so thank you for your time today, Isaac. All the best for the Super Rugby season, and then with the Wallabies as well. Looking forward to seeing you back on the field and putting those contributions in in the second row and. Um, yeah, hopefully we can see you over in France tearing it up for the Wallabies again soon. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Go well, mate.